Welcome to CLC Connects, the podcast where we connect College of Lake County faculty and staff experts with you to give opinion, advice, or tips on anything that interests Lake County. It's like a taste of the college experience with no enrollment required. Today we are joined by Chef William Vena, CLC co-chair of the Hospitality and Culinary Program. Chef Vena brings his decades of kitchen expertise to this episode. We'll talk about how to save money on your grocery bill and how the restaurant industry is changing. We'll also get a preview of what's going on at the old Braylock Golf Club in Grays Lake, and Chef Vena will share a recipe for all those tomatoes pouring out of your garden. Stick around. Chef Vena, welcome to CLC Connects. Glad to be here. Can you tell us about your own culinary journey? I got into uh, the hospitality business when I was 16. The stories, family stories are that I uh, was always watching my mom cook when I was little and watching my grandparents cook when um, I was little. So I guess it's kind of in my blood. But at 16, I got introduced to the culinary world uh, through a friend of mine uh, that I went to high school with. And it was supposed to be a side job as a dishwasher at Ravinia Festival. And uh, my passion and love for the kitchen and the action and the flavors and the smells took me to where I am today here at CLC. And it's been 36 years doing everything in the hospitality business, again, from banquet chef to sous chef, executive chef, dishwasher, line cook, uh, catering, and now um, as a professor, chef instructor at CLC. You studied at the California Culinary Academy, which is a top culinary program in the United States. What lessons have you brought from that program into the kitchens at CLC? Well, the advantage I had when I went to culinary school, I, I got my bachelor's degree in photography at the College of Santa Fe in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Though when I went there, um, you know, I had no idea this is what I was, where I was going to end up in the hospitality business. I got a photography degree, a Bachelor of Fine Arts. From there, it led me to uh, going to culinary school, um, and I was always cooking in restaurants and um, doing side gigs, um, you know, in in the area. I ended up going out to the Bay Area, went to culinary school at the California Culinary Academy. It was a two-and-a-half-year program. And from there, I, I was lucky enough to go into that program with experience. A lot of students didn't have experience, so I kind of knew what I was walking into, the action, the stress of being in the business. So I already knew that, so I really absorbed what the chefs taught me there. And I was, you know, I was a sponge for two and a half years. I worked at some top restaurants uh, in San Francisco, worked with some great chefs, uh, Gary Danko, Mark Johnson, you know, I lived out in the Bay Area for about four and a half years, and then it was time for me to, you know, come back to the Midwest where I was born and raised and start working in Chicago and in the suburbs and got married and started a family, and the rest is history. It's always nice when people bring that West Coast experience back to the Midwest because I think that we have really great food here in the Midwest with all of our farms and everything. You said that you received your BFA in photography. People say that athletes and artists are born with natural talents. Do you think that this applies to chefs too? Uh, I learned a long time ago from a general manager that I worked for, uh, one of my close friends uh, today who I still talk to, uh, a mentor. But he told me, um, you know, a simple thing that he used to always tell the staff, but he always used to tell me at the end of each kind of team-building meeting that we would have weekly was, you know, life's short, enjoy what you do. Uh, And it's always stuck with me. I know it's, uh, you know, kind of a simple saying, and a lot of people say it, but um, life goes by super fast. You really got to embrace what you're doing. The hospitality business is amazing. It's fun, but you really have to be all in. Either you love it or you hate it. And there is no in between um, because the hours are long. Um, you really don't have a life when you start off. You're working at a high level, a stressful level. 
there's a lot of, you know, unfortunately divorce rates in this business. There's a lot of addictions. Um, that's all the negative, but you really, you, you really have to channel it. And if that's what you really want to do, it takes a select few. I, I kind of joke with everybody that I know in the business in order, you know, to do this, you got to be a little, you got to be a little crazy on some level because it's not a normal job. Uh, when I started off, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, I, you know, I didn't know this is where I was going to end up. By the time I got into my mid twenties, I was graduating culinary school, living in the Bay area. You know, you're, you're working long hours. You're working every single day. Uh, you're going out late at night, you're eating weird hours and it's not for a normal person. Um, but I always looked at it as I, you know, I knew that's what I wanted to do. It was a passion for me and I was all in kind of early on, but then I really uh, had a drive to be successful and my goal was to be an executive chef in multiple places, and I did that. And, you know, I credit a lot of people I've worked for. I credit a lot of people that I've uh, met along my journey. How do you think that the culture has changed in the last couple of years? It's changed a lot in the last, uh, I would say, 10 to 15 years. You know, I, I look at myself as an old-school chef. Put your head down, keep your mouth closed, and yes, chef, no chef, and get the job done. Try to improve wherever you're working. Always respect the chef, whether you like him or not, because you really never know if you're going to cross paths with him again or if he's going to lead you to another maybe uh, you know, establishment or another uh, outlet that you could go to. So never burn a bridge. But at the same time, you know, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's changed a lot because I had chefs you know, back in the day throw pans at me. I had chefs tell me to, you know, get the bleep out of the kitchen and don't come back. I had chefs throw me in the dish room for hours, you know, to finish the shift because I burnt a steak. You know, that's an old school mentality. Uh, there was a lot of screaming that went on in the kitchens that I learned in. Again, you really can't do that now. It's changed a lot. You have to try to, you know, nurture the employee. You, nobody wants to get yelled at. Um, so those days are kind of over, even though there's a little bit of old school still in me, uh, especially now at a, at an educational level. You know, I'm here to mentor these students. I'm here to get them down the right road, something I didn't have early on in my career. And I think that's the advantage that it, uh, I don't want to say the professions got softer because it's got extremely popular from the Food Network and all the food shows and Chopped and it has gotten extremely popular, and there's a lot of movies now coming out about, um, you know, the hospitality business and cooking and chefs. But at the same time, um, you, you really do need to nurture your employees or your students or, you know, whoever is working with you. Number one, you want to grow a good team. You want to be a good leader. Um, and in being a good leader, you know, set the example, set the tone. So it, it has changed quite a bit since I walked some kitchens with some fresh French chefs that were you know, they're pretty intense. <laughs> um, as you know, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Restaurants have taken a hard hit in the last few years, and a lot of people have left the industry. What's the argument for bringing people back into kitchens? Um, you know, uh, the pandemic turned the world upside down, not only the culinary world, but everybody. The hospitality industry really took a hard hit. You know, what, what I can tell everybody now is we are, we are hopefully on the turn, uh, on the mend, getting better. The world's kind of getting back to normal, I hope. Um, I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. But what I would say is, you know, try to get out with some friends and, and try to support your local restaurants or uh, local farmers markets or, 
try to order the platter of cookies from a local bakery. The small local places are really, really struggling, and the best way we can help all of them is go out to your favorite restaurant. Go out and get your favorite pizza. Go out and have a beer and a burger at, at you know the, the local uh, tavern or burger shop that you like. That's going to help them. That's also going to, you know, hopefully encourage them to, you know, keep moving forward. And we will get out of this and places hopefully will sur- survive. The best ones will, right? Yeah. That's, that's what it seems like yep. is happening. I suspect we've mostly all noticed that the prices in the grocery store are rising. Uh, inflation just rose to over 9% in June. Grocery prices are rising at an even higher rate, up to 12.2% overall, according to an uh, article on WBEZ this morning. What can the home cook do to save money on their grocery bill while eating well? Two two problems with you know two problems that have occurred in our industry. Number one, um, you know the supply chain throughout the the world throughout the U.S. is really affecting everything. Not only food, but it's affecting everything from toilet paper to uh, canned goods to you know food. So the supply chains are the big you know is is the big problem. And some of the ports now are reopening and we're moving forward. The other problem is is that there's not enough people out there to work these factories or these ports or these uh, farms. So we're having a you know we're having a hard time in general just getting the product processed, getting it on a you know a truck or, or you know on a train or on a boat to even get to us or get to a local restaurant. So that's part of the problem too. And the other problem is is because of all that the prices have increased. So they've they've gone up, like you said, up to 12% on a few items. There really isn't any way around it right now. You know, the best way that I try to preach to the students, but also to my friends and family members, try to buy stuff that's in season. It will help. Buying something in season, you're going to get the best flavor. The availability is going to be there. It's going to taste uh, really good, flavor, taste, same thing. But also, uh, you know, your price... Even though stuff has gone up, price should be not too bad. It would, you know, everything's going up, but you're buying stuff in, in season. That, that's that's going to help a little bit. All your proteins across the board, fish, meat, poultry, is is high right now. But try to look at the local markets. They're you know they usually have deals. Try to uh, you know go to uh, some of the higher end stores that are you know maybe have a better supply chain that are getting product in at a quicker pace, your Marianos, your um, Whole Foods, your Treasure Islands, uh, Sunset Foods. Those are higher grocery stores. There's nothing wrong with a Jewel or an Aldi. There's nothing wrong with that. But keep in mind, the the bigger dogs or the more high-end stores will get the supplies faster than some of the lower, you know, lower grocery stores or middle of the road. So there really isn't a way to, you know, um, I, I can't, you know, I can't tell you, there's a way to, uh, you know, solve the problem, but I can kind of guide you down some of the avenues to save a few dollars and put a good meal in that's going to taste good because it's in season. What should we be looking for in the grocery store right now as far as in-season fruits and vegetables go? Right now, uh, one of my favorites is right around the corner. It's actually starting up tomatoes. Tomatoes are are awesome right now, end of um, July, all through August, a little bit of September, Hot and stickier, more humid, the better the tomato is going to grow. Heirloom tomatoes are coming around, beef steaks, romas, cherries, anything tomato related in the next, I would say, eight weeks is what you want to be buying. 
you know, tomato season's quick, but when you're eating something in season, like I've already mentioned, the flavor is going to be off the charts. You don't have to add a lot to it, a little salt, pepper, a good olive oil, a balsamic, and, and you're there. The other one that's coming around the corner right now also is one of my another one of my favorites, watermelon. Uh, watermelon in August, um, if this weather keeps up the way it has been, is just going to be is going to be awesome. Watermelons they're usually coming from the south. We do get a lot from the west coast, but generally the stuff we see here in Illinois comes down from the southern states and it comes up. So watermelons are going to be really really good, you know, seedless or uh, with seeds. They're both in in the next two to three weeks should be uh, fantastic. You know, so those are a couple items that I would tell you to start looking for now. Uh, unfortunately, lettuce season is is, is kind of died. So if you're a lettuce fan, really the only stuff you're going to be able to find now are, is your romaine and iceberg. And that stuff's all made under climate-controlled areas, and it's mass-produced, just like the domestic uh, mushroom. It's made year-round, and you can get it, um, and it's going to taste okay. But it's not like a wild mushroom that's only in season a couple months or like a tomato and watermelon that are only in season a couple months. So that's how I, 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 how I would tell you to kind of guide your way to saving money, but also, um, you know, putting a good meal in front of your friends and family. We will post a tomato recipe from you on our website. That'll be available uh, when this podcast launches. Can you give us a tip for picking a good watermelon? Because I always have a lot of trouble with that. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of myths and a lot of uh, tips out there. I mean, I, I always, you know, look for one that's somewhat firm. Um, you know, you kind of you bang on it with your, your fingers and there's almost like an echo is, is what some chefs have told me. Uh, you don't want something that's been bruised, so you kind of want to feel it. It does want to be firm around the watermelon. If it looks like the water's, watermelon's been sitting on one side for a while, that area will be bruised when you go cut into it. So just a firm watermelon and make sure you kind of have that drum rhythm if you tap on it with your fingers. That's, you know, that's what was told to me young in my uh, young, younger days. Awesome. Thank you. What do you love about teaching culinary and hospitality at CLC? What I really like about the job, uh, you know, is, you know, the development of the students. Uh, it makes me um, just feel incredibly satisfied when I see students that walk into this program at the very beginning, don't know how to put a chef jacket on, don't know how to hold a knife, have no idea about safety or sanitation, really their palates are really undeveloped. And to watch them grow in um, two and a half years, and then walk across the stage at the gymnasium with their diploma and ready to go out there and, and make a difference and, you know, um, really uh, spread the word about CLC and the program. That's, that's the most rewarding to me is when I see a student that really didn't know how to make a sauce and now they know how to make 10 sauces or didn't know how to put a plate together with a focal point and now they're doing these amazing presentations and the, the food's coming off the plate and it's popping and there's vibrant colors with the sauces. Then, you know, I can go home at night and it's rewarding to say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something right and, and I'm making a difference in a lot of these young um, culinarians' careers. And it, um, that, that's the most rewarding about the job. The, the second thing is a lot of the people I've met here in, in 10 years at CLC, uh, 
especially with my department, we're a really close-knit group. Uh, we've all kind of been together now for 10-plus uh, years. We did get a few new uh, team members on the team within the last year. But the core has is, is kind of been together, and um, I like to call it my second family. I see them more than I you know, see my wife and kids a lot of times. And, you know, we communicate well. It's, it's, it's a close group. But then a lot of people I've met in other departments, good people, it's 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 a fun place to work. It's a good environment. It's good that we're all, in, no matter what department you're in, we're all making a difference on uh, young people's lives, which is important. It's important. The last thing I want to talk about is the uh, CLC Braylock Expansion Project. So for several years, CLC has sort of had this secret restaurant that's been well known to the college community, but maybe not outside of it. The restaurant was called Prairie, and it was located in the basement of the Grays Lake campus. And it was a student-managed restaurant. And through a new partnership with Lake County Forest Preserve, we are expanding. Yeah, Prairie opened up uh, 20, uh, 2012. It was open for nine years. It was in the basement of A-Wing. Um, it was a little diamond in the rough. Uh, when we first opened, it was. It, it is meant to be the capstone class of the program, and it's the last class that I call the senior students go through. They pretty much uh, run the restaurant. They order the product. They cook the food. They serve they do everything there is to do if you're going to open a restaurant, with the exception of, you know, making sure the money and the labor is is intact. We help them with that, but that's kind of whoever's running the class takes care of that. But it was uh, extremely successful. It became really, really popular. Within the last three or four years, we were getting uh, lots and lots of people from the public, Grays Lake, Mundelein, Libertyville, around Lake. A lot of the neighboring communities were coming here. Uh, it was a non-profit when we opened up, so it was basically bottom line prices. You know, we were, I wouldn't say we were giving food away, but it was very cheap and you were getting a great meal. But it was, the more of it was the experience for the students, what they were going to get out of it. And unfortunately, we closed, but uh, the good news is, is we did partner up with uh, the Lake County Forest Preserve, and uh, we are taking over the Braylock Country Club. Uh, the clubhouse aspect of it for now, uh, we're in the midst of... Uh, you know, redoing it and designing it, uh, my team and uh, business and social science team and some architects. So what's going to happen, uh, hopefully by fall of uh, 2023 is when we're going to open, cut the ribbon or have the ceremony. And what we're going to have is a state-of-the-art restaurant on a wonderful golf course. So the idea is that, you know, people go go out and play a, you know, a nice round of golf. It's It's a public course, so anybody can come out and play. And then from there, uh, come on in to get a great meal uh, prepared by, again, it'll be junior and senior students that will be running it. Uh, we are thinking about doing kind of a hybrid and having some freshmen and sophomores in there to kind of start off, maybe do a breakfast or the lunch portion of it. The plan is to be open, breakfast limited, uh, but lunch and dinner, you know, at least five days a week, four days a week. Again, it's going to depend on enrollment. It's going to depend on the students. It's going to depend on when the project gets done. But it's going to be, a, again, a state-of-the-art teaching kitchen with a wonderful lounge area, beautiful dining room that's going to overlook the 18th and 9th greens. I think the vibe that we're kind of shooting for is more of kind of a rustic country feel. So it, it should be fun. You know, I have a bunch of ideas in my head, but, you know, we'll keep those quiet right now. We'll see, you know, we'll see how it opens. But it's going, to be, um, it's going to be a great thing. We're going to be able to seat a lot more people, which will be good. And then we'll also have the capability of doing small parties or small banquets there. And, um, 
you know, it's, it's great for the program. Uh, we're also looking at possibly doing some type of food truck down the road, a class. So having a food truck that maybe goes uh, and bops around to all three campuses of CLC. So there's, there's quite a lot, uh, quite a bit of ideas. Uh, Prairie's the big, uh, taking that we're working, we're all working on right now. And, um, you know, again, with the supply chain and, and the way stuff's going, you know, equipment and uh, to get it all done on time is going to be a challenge, but I think we got a good team in place. And uh, hopefully I'll see everybody out there in uh, fall of 2023. I'll definitely be there. That food truck sounds amazing, too. That's so cool. Yeah. That's great. Where can we find you out and about with students this summer? Gray's Lake Days, which is going to be um, – August 19th and 20th. I believe that's a Saturday and a Sunday, or maybe that's a Friday and Saturday. But we're going to be out in Grays Lake. Uh, that's our, you know, that's our kind of our main town, our main hub, because uh, we work on the Grays Lake. I work on the Grays Lake campus. So we're going to be out at uh, Grays Lake Days. We're going to be doing uh, another, you know, type of uh, food uh, specialty and again, promoting the college. And then if this really takes off uh, when we get to fall or possibly next summer, doing a few more to really, uh, you know, again, the, the main reason for this is to promote the great college uh, that I work at, but also uh, to let people know that we have a culinary program here. It's a career program. You can get a great degree and then get out there and, and start making money at local restaurants or catering companies or wherever, you know, your your goals are. So you can find me at Grays Lake Days, but uh, I'm always walking around campus too if you ever have a question about food or a recipe or anything like that. Well, Chef Baina, thank you for joining us today. Uh, it was really nice to have you on. I really enjoyed listening and um, hearing about all the new projects that are coming out of the Culinary and Hospitality Program. Well, thanks for having me and uh, looking forward to seeing everybody on campus. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Take care. You too. Find all the resources we talked about in our show notes at www.clcillinois.edu slash podcast. Have a question? CLC has an expert for that. Pitch us your show ideas by emailing pr.podcast at clcillinois.edu. CLC Connects is a production of the PR and Marketing Department with music by faculty member Dave Asma. You can find more of Dave's music at spunkshine.com.